you have your Bibles, actually I'm going to do a little twist here. Amen. Praise God. Have your Bibles real quickly. You can turn to Ecclesiastes. Chapter 3. Just read one verse of Scripture. And then we're going to go to the book of Genesis. Amen. Praise God. Genesis. We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter, just to let you know. Genesis chapter 37. So we're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And then Genesis chapter 37. Amen. Praise God. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, this uh, book, uh, most believe, was written by Solomon. Um, so, just by way of reference. To everything, there is a season. Read that again. To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. To everything, there is a season. Turn with me, please, to Genesis chapter number 37. That's where I really wanted to get to, but I felt to read Ecclesiastes 3. We're going to Genesis chapter 37. Verse number 3. Thank you very much. Now Israel loved Jacob, I'm sorry, Joseph, more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. And I can understand that. And could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream. Right after they hated him, God's timing is impeccable. As soon as he got the coat, notice he didn't get the dream before he got the coat. He got the dream right after the coat. And right after, his brothers hated him. God said, I'm going to show you something. Mm -hmm. 
they told him, his brother, his brothers hated him, couldn't speak peaceably to him. Verse number five, Joseph's dream was dream. He told his brother and they hated him yet the more because of his dream, not just because of the coat. And he said unto them here, I pray you let uh, this dream, which I have dreamed, let me tell you about the dream. Now, he probably should have kept his mouth shut. But you know how we are. I got my coat. I got my dreams. And all you got is hate. He said it to them. Listen to my dream. Verse 7. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and looked at me. And it, they made obeisance to me. They bowed down. They worshipped me. They gave honor to me. And obviously, he thought he had problems before. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have a dominion over us? I know what you're saying. You're saying you're going to be the head honcho. You're going to be the top cheese. You're going to be the alpha dog. And we're going to grumble at your feet. Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and his words. It gets better. I'm not going to read it. But he goes off and they hated him even more. He has another dream. Now, you have to understand, he wasn't manufacturing the dreams or producing them. They were God was giving them to him. So God was giving him some things. Now, I don't believe that God gave it to him just for him to keep it quiet. I kind of believe the same person that gave him the dreams was the one that stoked him and goes, now go tell your brothers. <laughs> I want to preach to you this morning when God connects the dots. When God connects the dots. You can be seated. The Bible says that to every thing there is a purpose. It says it actually like this, that's the way we say it, but to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Now, I have uh, used that uh, passage of scripture to preach. That was pr that's probably my favorite funeral message to preach. I think I used that verse of scripture, or at least the verses to preach. A, I've preached probably a good, maybe five to seven uh, funerals with that message. I've preached other funerals, obviously, but that's, that's my favorite message to preach with that. 
talking about times and seasons. They're all in God's hands. But when you look at Ecclesiastes, and you can put it on the screen, or we'll probably jump back to that uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. When you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, actually some of the words are in italics if you have that particular type of Bible. And you'll note that most of that to every, you can leave it back there, thank you, a season is actually what the Hebrew says. To every, meaning everything, there is a season. So there is a, that's really an italic. So it's really to everything or everything, every, every, actually what it is, a season. And the word season is not what we think. When I think of season, and most of the time I preach this, I say there's a time, right, meaning, okay, it's 1105. There's a time to begin service. It's at 10 o'clock. Right? It's the time we begin service. But there's also a season for things, meaning, hey, hey uh, it, it, when uh, uh, springtime comes about, Elder Valley, he's going to pe- plant him some peppers in his backyard. <laughs> Amen. When, when, when there's the right season, I got to pull out the lawnmower. Amen. Praise God. I, I look for the season where I don't have to pull out my shovel and shovel that white stuff. Some of you claim you like it, but you hadn't got out there and scrubbed, shoveled my snow yet. <laughs> but uh, there is a season for many things. There's a season uh, to kind of take the coats off and the sweaters off and, 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 and you know, kind of wear your short sleeve shirt. Now, some of you, like Mars, he'll probably wear short sleeves in the midst of the winter. But, see, I'm not talking about the crazies. Amen. I'm talking about the normal folks. There is a season, and that's how I look at that passage of Scripture. But really, the Hebrew is really not talking about a season. It's actually the word season that means an appointed time. There there are times for every purpose, but there is also, you know, there's a time to do certain things. But here, it's really there is an appointed time also. There, in other words, there is a time that God appoints. Now, we have appointments, but some appointments we miss. Now, I'm going to get into what I normally communicate in funerals. You know, I, you know there are a lot of appointments I miss. I had a dental appointment uh, the other day, but it was, it was snowing. I didn't really feel like coming out there in all this snow, so... Well, they actually called us and said, you want to cancel or postpone it? So I postponed it for three months. I think three months, right? A month, something like that. And so uh, you can have appointments and you can, you, can, you can break appointments. You don't necessarily have to keep appointments, but you, you set them. Then there's some po- appointments you, you want to keep. Amen. Now, if you, you know, you're going to get married, I, I suggest you keep that appointment. Amen. You, you're supposed to take your wife somewhere on the anniversary. I suggest you keep that appointment. Or you got 364 days to live in misery until the next uh, anniversary. Amen. That's just how it works. There are appointed times by God. It, it, it's almost as if you don't even have control over those appointments. 
you wasn't a, uh, you wasn't in control when uh, God decided, hey, it's time to push you through that birth canal. You're not in control when you breathe your last breath. I don't care if you decide to blow your brains out. You don't take the last breath in and of yourself on your own. God has that power in, uh, who was it? Not Paul, but Saul tried to kill himself. And he could not. The Bible says in the, the last days and leading up to the appearing and the revelation of Jesus Christ, that uh, people will try to die. They will want to die. They won't be able to die. Amen. And, and, and so your death is not in your control. Death is in the uh, control and in the power of the creator. But not only uh, birth and, and death, there are other things that God has said, you know what? This is the appointed time for you. There was... I don't believe uh, Joseph had any inkling of an idea that what was going to transpire with uh, his life. And uh, Reuben was the uh, the eldest. And, and you know, I, and to my knowledge, right, Reuben was the eldest. Sometimes my brain get to playing tricks on me. I know it when I'm not preaching. When I get to preaching, sometimes it just... And, and so everything that would should befall uh, Reuben... Uh, uh, Joseph wasn't expecting to get. But, as, you know, if anybody was going to get a coat, it should have been Reuben. But the father didn't see it quite that way. Now, we know, man, what is this? Hold, hold, hold on. I'm sorry. I, I just took a side. Look at these guys. Y'all talk to each other or something? <laughs> All got on the scene. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I just took a sidebar. Now it's going to have y'all looking at their feet now, right? How beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. Amen. You got, you're a preacher. You got to have some good sharp shoes on. You know what I mean? Did somebody notice? All right. So, Joseph didn't have a clue what was going to transpire. He didn't have a clue when his father would take that coat, and people have different opinions of what the coat was. I'm just going to say it was a coat. You know, all these apologetics and humanetics and, you know, give me a break. Just, just, Paul said this, all thing I know is Christ and him crucified. <laughs> you know, that's all I know. All I know, he said coat. So whatever it was, I don't know. But it was a coat, and, you know, there's many colors. Maybe it wasn't, you know, a bunch of different colors, like some say. But some of you are like, God, I ain't know all that. But, you know, anyway. He gave him a coat, and the, the point is, is he wasn't expecting it. And the father bestowed more love upon him than the rest of his brothers. Now, we know the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. Now, I'm going to preach another message. God is no respecter. How many believe that? How many believe God doesn't have favorites? I believe he does. Uh, he's not a respecter of persons. You say God doesn't have any favorites. Oh, yeah. What did he say to Mary? 
highly favored. Out of all the women in Israel at that time, blessed art thou. You are highly favored. Oh, God, he, she wasn't favored? She was highly favored. It's not that he, she did anything to earn it. But you can place all, don't, don't y'all see here, I see, I messed some of you up. See, I didn't want to preach this one. I was. The Bible says, God said, even before they were born, Jacob I love, and Esau I hated. Twin brothers came out of the same womb, had the same father and mother, but there was something about one. What about this? Cain and Abel. The Bible says Cain, God had respect unto and his offering, and to Cain he had what? To him and his offering. Wasn't just him. It wasn't just his offering. Oh, hallelujah. I'm talking to somebody now. So you know what? So God can show you favor. You see in the Old Testament a lot of times, uh, if I found favor in your sight, you can find favor in the sight of God. Oh, hallelujah. I like that. I like the fact because he's no respecter person, but I can find favor in God. Meaning, it doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter what your background is. doesn't matter where you came from. Hey, you can please God. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a preacher's kid. You can place yourself in line. Uh, uh, I don't believe that Joseph did anything would just be, you know, who he was. But anyway, again, I wasn't here to preach that. That's the second message in that. But uh, Joseph had this dream that he didn't conjure up. He didn't manufacture. God gave him the dream. And again, he gave it to him right after his brothers hated him because of the coat. Right after the father showed him favor. Right after the father said, hey, I'm going to bless you. Right after the father said, hey, I want to bestow something upon you. And, and now I'm going to show you something. That I'm going to give you a dream. I'm going to show you your potential. I'm going to show you your future. I'm going to show you your purpose in God. And that was fine. That was dandy. That was sweet. That was lovely. That was altogether lovely. <laughs> Amen. And. You know, and, and how many doesn't like that? But when God shows you something about you, amen, amen. And it's a good, it's one of those goodens. Not a good one, a gooden. It's one of those goodens, you know what I'm saying? It's really good. You, oh, man, God is like, you're like, woo-wee. Yeah, bring it on, Lord. Amen. You wake up, you got a pep in your step, and God gave you the dream. So God gave Joseph the dream, and come on, I, I, I can imagine his peacock feathers came out a little bit when he was sharing it. I don't believe he was, you know, being all so humble. Brothers, God gave me a dream, really, I don't know how to say it. And I, 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 don't, I don't really deserve it. Because, brothers, I look up to you. You're my brothers. 
I believe he was like, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> you know, he, he had some swag. Yeah, let me, let me, let me tell you what the dream that I had, you see, you see this coat? I'm going to tell you a little bit more. Well, I had this dream, and you, you, you sissies bow down to me. No. <laughs> he had something going on. All right? And, and, and so, because they were mad. All right? They got hot. And, and so, God was stoking him. You, you know, it, God, God is, he's just so masterful. He knows how to push certain buttons. We don't even know what the buttons work for in our lives. We're like, what's this button for? God say, I'll show you. <laughs> then we say, I didn't know that was there. <laughs> How many times did he say that? I didn't know that was there. God knew it was there. And at the appointed time, he pushed that button. And that button began to activate something. We don't know what in the world is going on. I don't know if you're like me. You know what? Sometimes you're scratching your head. God, what in the world is going on? You show me this. And then it seems like my, my life is going this way. And, and, and you show me that, and, and the next thing you know, my life is going all over the place. And you show me this, what I'm supposed to do here. I'm talking to somebody now. And, and the next thing you know, chaos is happening. You show me peace, and next thing you know, there's confusion. And so Joseph received the dream, but it, it, then it seemed like all Hades broke loose. He saw himself with the coat. He saw his brothers bowing down to him. He saw God's purpose manifested in his life. Next thing you know, his, uh, his brother's getting angry with him. And, and then get this. After that, the brothers went to go tend the sheep. And his father say, hey, Joseph, now you know your brothers, they, they're just not right. Now, what I want you to do, because, you know, I, I, I trust you. I want you to go and spy on them. They're down here. I want you to go check them out. Make sure that, and bring me word again. Now God brings the father in on his plan. Joseph didn't know the plan. The brothers didn't know the plan. Jacob didn't know the plan. His mother didn't know the plan. But God was using the dreams. He was using the coat. He was using the father. He was using the mother. He was using the, the bravado of Joseph. And he was using all those circumstances, the right time where they would go down and watch the father's sheep. And God put it in, in, in his father's heart to go down and spy on them. And God coordinated all those things. God connected the dot here. And he connected the dot there. And he connected the dot there. And it didn't seem like they all were connected. But let me tell you something. God begins to connect the dots in our lives. They didn't understand it. They didn't see the things manifested and unfolding. But God had a plan. 
The problem is it never transpires the way we think it should go. When I look over this congregation, I'm just amazed at what I've seen God do. And I, I, I just give you a couple of in- instances, if you, if you will. Could, can I do that? Y'all going to say yes, amen, all right. One day somebody going to say, no, you can't. There you go. When I was in the fifth grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, one of my closest friends inside of the school was a girl named Kimberly Williams. She had a friend, so they used to like me. I didn't like her at all. I didn't. And she would use Kimberly to try to, you know, whatever. <laughs> you don't have the mic. I was only in the fifth grade, Johnny. Fifth grade, come on. And so, Kimberly Williams, fifth and sixth grade, I become an adult, and I run into Kimberly Williams again at uh, my workplace, and she's standing there, and I'm looking like, I know you. And then the dots begin to connect. Well, uh, a year later, I'm sitting at my desk, and someone, someone walks in and says, hey, aren't you a preacher? I say, yes. I want you to come and preach to my, grand, my father and my mother. I get to the house, and this lady's uh, name is... Joe, Joe, what's her real name? Josephine. Well, Josephine is the aunt or the aunt, whatever lady you I don't see aunt. I think a little thing is, but it's the aunt and aunt of Joe, of Kimberly. I didn't know that. I teach a Bible study. Actually, I preach a message. They had a pulpit set up. I get into this one-bedroom apartment because the, 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 uh, the grandmother was purple, or the mother was purple, and she could not get in there, and it's like 20-something people. None of them had been baptized, none of them had received the Holy Ghost. By the time we was done with that, about 20-something of that family was baptism in the Holy Ghost, and baptized in Jesus' name. But I, I, I and, and, and so she said, she comes to me. Come preach to my, whatever. And then, then the tide, then, then, and then after that, okay, I come. And in there is this man right here. Now, he was fine with the message. He wasn't fine with them tongue talking. Those tongue talking. We set up a Bible study with him and his father. We teaching them Bible studies. We get on a subject, and he go hide in the bathroom. Said, Lord, had his, he had, Lord, the Lord had his number. And he was refuting and fighting them tongue talking. Ah, I like what I'm getting and feeling and everything else. Everything seems right. But I don't know about them tongues because of the church he came from. 
So we baptize him and his brother one day and your father the same day, right? Do we baptize all three the same day? And the minute that dude came out of the water, <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he didn't believe in it until he started doing it. <laughs> his lips hit the water. He was talking in tongues. I'm teaching him a Bible study. We've been going along a little while. I didn't even know. At that time, I still didn't find out. And then I found out that was Kimberly Williams' dad and mom. You see, God connects the dots. We are not in control. It blows my mind how much dark. Where is, where, where is uh, Chris Sutton? Are you hiding? I, 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 you know, I went to school for, here we go again, fifth is, is another Kimberly. Went to school for, uh, uh, with his mom, well, I knew her, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, grade. Kimberly Robinson. Something about those Kimberleys, huh? And um, she knew my family and all that, and. This guy was in our church for maybe three years before I found out that that was his mother. And all the connections. And I sit back and that we, we and this is how it worked. We, we, God told Joseph, we're Joseph, Joseph here, right? God told Joseph and I to go to, and you've heard this before, to go to this um, parking lot during uh, uh we were doing some evangelism and Holy Ghost-led outreach and visitation. God said, go to this uh, shopping center. We go to the shopping center. We see two people, and God says to talk to these two people. We talk to them, and then we follow them into their building. And when we follow them, it's on a Saturday, they were doing a baptism. And they did the baptism. We, we, we you know, kind of observed and all that. We didn't know what our purpose was and all that. And we talked to them, greeted them. We left. A year later, God connected us with them and with this lady right here. And then God connected us with this lady right here. And we ended up being in that church and having services. And everybody's from that church stand up. I know some aren't here, but stand up. God began to connect the dots. And now they are part of this church. And then, lo and behold, Chris Sutton is a part of that church. And then I, and then I find out three years later that his mother was Kimberly Williams that we grew up with. And, and guess what? I'm, I'm sorry, Robinson. Let's get that right. Guess what? And I don't know. Somebody, she may be watching this. I believe she's going to. Mm, hallelujah. Oh, as a matter of fact, she's teaching her a Bible study even now. Man can't do that. God begins to connect the dots. Tennessee, Philadelphia, what are you doing here? God begins, he brings a, a 
man from Philadelphia to marry a lady from Tennessee. They end up on, in a uh, shopping center on the Alameda, and this lady connects with them. And the next thing you know, they found a church home, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Because God connects the dots. You can't figure it out. There are similar stories like here. I know, how long you been knowing this guy? Too long? Oh, no, no. You've been knowing him four years. Five years ago, you wouldn't have seen yourself in Baltimore City with this guy. Right? Somebody would have told you that. You was like, no, you're crazy. Huh? <laughs> but look how, oh, my God, look. Now, the crazy thing about this is, now, I'm, going, I'm not giving anyone the credit, but one. Let me say that. I'm, I'm giving one the credit. Right? It's not because of any man. <laughs> we all had a part to play. All right? No one man did this. Period. But my, my, this lady right here, Sister Haney, wave at her. Do the chicken. <laughs> she said, I saw you doing the chicken earlier. <laughs> I saw it too. <laughs> Mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Amen. She's going to, faithfully going to a Catholic church. And she began to get trouble at the statues. You know, you had to, you know, kiss the father's ring, bow down with all this crazy stuff. And so she began to question some of the things God began to deal with her. Let me tell you something. You, God can deal with people in their state. It doesn't matter how bad their state is. It doesn't matter how bad their condition is. You have some loved ones and you're wondering how they're going to be saved. I tell you how because of him. God can connect the dots in their life and bring things together that no man can do. God's arm is not too short that he can't save. He brought you from Virginia. Right? Oh, man. You from around the way. <laughs> I, didn't find, I just found out I, I went to high school with this guy. The same class, same years, everything else. Uh, and, and I'm like, okay, same junior high. I was like, man, your face, when I first saw him, your face looked familiar. Come find, I'm telling you what, you, you just don't know. Some of you are like, you don't even know how you end up here. A part of this, and maybe it's just for a season, maybe it's just for a time or whatever. But let me tell you something, God is in control. You can look at your life and wonder what in the world is going on. I can't figure things out. You might as well stop trying to figure things out. There are situations and people 
that will cause you to get connected. So she's in this Catholic church, and she's being tugged on, and then she gets a job in Annapolis, Maryland. This girl in Annapolis, Maryland, at her workplace connects her, connects with her, invites her to an apostolic church, and I'm telling you what, yeah, Catholic church and apostolic church, this is like night and day. And she comes to the apostolic church, and, 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 and you know, that, that's it. And then asks me to come to church, and my sisters to come to church, and, 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 and all that. Tra- and you see, God, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm so far away from, from that. But then at one point, I begin to cry out and call out to God. You know, I'm, I'm straight up strict heathen, you know. <laughs> I live by strict heathen code. Church boy? No. I am, you know, I'm not going to be a church boy. I wouldn't come, I'm not being a church. I'm sorry. That's what I was like. No, I told my mother, what are you trying to do? Make me out of a priest? No, but God was trying to make me out of a preacher. Because early on, I felt something. I was like, I don't, I don't like what I feel. And, I, and I, I didn't really sense that it was God, and I put it on her. You're just trying to make me out of a priest. She didn't have anything to do with it. And so situations and, and people and conditions, and God is just working this thing out here. He, he brings a lady all the way from Reedsville. Now, who ever heard of a Reedsville? Right? You say Reedsville. How many heard of North Carolina? Yes. How many heard of Greensboro? Yes. If you, there's a Reedsville. You know, Reedsville is so close to Greensboro. You can throw a rock from Greensboro, and if you're in Greensboro, you throw the rock at Reedsville, and then it'll go right through Reedsville. <laughs> That's how small it is. I kid you not. That thing is small. And he brings this lady from Reedsville, brings her to Baltimore, takes my mother, who was in Annapolis, and bring, uh, switches her job and, and switches her job to Baltimore. They in the same office. And get this: when she gets to her office, I mean her rec- her personal office, my mother is sitting there on her desk. And the first thing she says, who's this woman at my desk? <laughs> that was their first meeting. And then when I met her, I was like, well, who she thinks she is? I ignored her. She tell you, I ignored you. You said, matter of fact, you said, what's wrong? Your son seems so strange because I ignored you. Oh, here we go. I'm going to see. I'm going to really tell it. Y'all, y'all remember Brother Middleton saying how she came to church with shades on on Easter? Yeah, she was hiding. So I'm, 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 I'm all in the spirit of the Lord's day, right? I'm in the spirit. I'm in the spirit of the Lord's day. I was. And then on Easter, she's going to come and sit next to me. 
I got my mind on God and trying to keep myself focused, right? I'm, you know, I, it's me and God right now, and I don't want to. My mind's on you, and she's going to sit right next to me and say, oh, it wasn't any other seats. We're in the Holiday Inn. <laughs> but God was connecting the dots, you see. <laughs> Some things that don't seem to be any significance, any relevance. We just can't figure it out. And, and God is connecting the dots and putting the pieces together. And, but see, hey, Joseph, everything was fine with Joseph when he had the coat. And the father was sending him on secret missions. Amen. And he's spying. And now I'm going to bring back a word to father. Oh, Yes. Oh, yeah. And next thing you know, God began to have these little dots that Joseph didn't understand what was going on. Okay, you're going, you're going to tell dad, take off his coat, drop him in the pit. Now, hey, the dream will find, the coats will find, and everything else is fine. We like those points in our lives. We can identify with those points in our lives. But when things begin to go south and go haywire and we can't figure out what's going on. And the next thing you know, he's going south in a hurry. He's dropped down in the pit. And then next thing you know, he's sold into slavery. He's going miles away from his home. He's in chains and shackles. He can't figure out what in the world am I doing here? Why am I being led away? Why is I, why was I sold? What is going on in my life? Next thing you know, he ends up in Potiphar's house. And then the Bible says when he got to Potiphar's house, that the Lord was with him. The scripture says he began to prosper in, his, in Potiphar's house. He's put in charge, but he's still a slave. He's enslaved, but God's hand is in his life and on his life. And, and he's still, still trying to make, uh, 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 make the, trying to figure things out, make sense of things. And he got the dream in his promised land. And he's wondering why he's in Egypt. Why is he enslaved? And though I feel the hand of God in my life, though I still sense him in my life, things aren't quite the way I thought they should be. And then, now everything is going nice and dandy. I could see him sitting back drinking some lemonade and say, oh yeah, this is not so bad. And then all of a sudden, God sends. God sends Potiphar's wife. We blame the devil for a whole lot. That was nothing but the devil. When we realize how much power the devil doesn't have over the children of God. He's only a dog on a leash. Can't go but so far. Now, next thing you know, everything is wonderful. Part of his wife accused him of rape. He was running from the woman. He was running. 
something he didn't do. And he spends a long time in jail. Things got bad. It got even worse. And then here we go. He he, he gets a a little uh, glimmer of hope. Some guys come into prison. So yeah, I'm going to use my gifting. And he tells some dreams. Oh, yeah, I'm about to get out of here. He, he interprets the dream of the, 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 uh, the, uh, the butler, you know, the cupbearer, he, the, the, the bread maker. He, he interprets the dreams and all that. And guess what happened? Just, you know, long story short, they forgot him. Sometimes we get in situations where God gives us purpose, gives us direction. And next thing you know, you have this happening over here, this going on over there, this circumstance right here. And and, and sometimes it doesn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense. But as God began, have you, you know, as a child, we had those, you know, if you couldn't draw it, all you had to do was get the connected dot things. And the dots, you look at the dots, you're like, what in the world is this? And you try to make some sense out of it. And you really can't make sense out of the dots until you begin to take a, a pencil and connect the dots. And you see, you can try to figure things out on your own. And you can try to make sense of everything that's happened in your life. But when you begin to allow God to draw a line and to connect all the dots, the, the, the picture becomes clear. Next thing you know, you see the landscape a little clearer. Next thing you know, whoa, whoa, this wasn't just for none. I know you're going through some things sometimes, but let me tell you something. We must understand that God is in control and everything happens for a reason. And there is a appointed time for all your little dots and all you have to do is allow God to begin to draw the lines and to connect all the pieces somebody can get ready to come I know we as uh, apostolics we um not just apostolics, though. I, I don't want to do that. We, we, we feel sometimes that, you know what? When you mess up, when we mess up, when I mess up, that God is he's not involved now. Hello? That God has taken his hand off of us. If that was the case, we all would be in trouble. You see, God had his hand on me before I was saved. Why would he take my, his hand off of me once I get saved? Oh, I messed up? Yeah, I messed up before I came to him. I made mistakes. Oh, I made some mistakes before I came to him. 
not excusing mistakes. But if we want wanted God to punish for for others' mistakes, He would have to act the same way towards us in our mistakes. I can think about the times where God spared my life and I was a sinner. I was an enemy of his cross. I was cursing up a storm. Living any type of life. I wasn't raised in the church. And God looked down on me and said, you know what? I see your future. I don't see where you are. I see what you're going to be. I see what you can become through me, my grace, my strength, my everything that I can put in your life, my word, my spirit. And when I wasn't living for him, God took this dot here in my life, took that dot there, when it all didn't seem to have any meaning as I was living my own life and doing my own thing. And as I began to call out and cry out to him, God began to draw those lines together. And now that I'm in God, he never said I would be perfect. To the contrary. We know the story of Jonah. He's a man of God. He's a prophet. Obviously, he was, during that time, he was one of the foremost prophets. Obviously, I mean, he got a big assignment. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. This was the great city during that time. This was the empire during that time. The enemy of Israel. Great empire. I want you to go to Nineveh. I think it was the Syrians. Or just when the Syrians began to lead, and that was that particular nation and city, and it was a great nation. I want you to go, and I want you to prophesy. To the enemy. Jonah says, Okay, let me let me um get this boat here. And Jonah got a boat. Only problem is he wasn't going to Nineveh, he was going the other way. Bible says he was, I think he was going to Tarsus or something like that. Was that Tarsus? And the Bible says he was going the opposite way. I'm getting up out of here. Now check this out. While the man of God was going in the opposite direction. Now, what do we call going in the opposite direction? Backslide. Yeah. He was going in the opposite direction of God's will. He was telling God in his face, I'm not doing what you're telling me to do. He was resisting God. He was resisting God's word. He was being... Uh, uh, stubborn and determined I am not doing what you're telling me to do. Now you tell me that's not a backslidden condition. I don't know what is. God told him to go left. He said, I'm going right. I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. I'm getting in the boat and I'm going in the other direction. 
And what did God say? Well, fine then. I'll get somebody else. No. God says, okay. This is what I've seen. And I'm just going to connect the dots. So God allows. Or he sends. A great storm. He prepares a storm. Now get this, what some see because every time a storm comes in our life, we the devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You and as soon as we say that, the storm gets even worse. And then we say, Well, that binding in Jesus' name doesn't work. Because you can't bind Jesus. No, you ain't binding Jesus. When you get to binding devils and it's not working, you better check and see who it really is. You got a storm that's blowing and nothing's happening. When you pray to God, you better find out whether God is not sending that storm. And God prepared, because of his love, God prepared a storm just to get Jonah where he needed to be. Sometimes it takes storms for God to connect the dots in our lives. Yes, it does. I hate that fact, but it does. God sends storms in my life. I know. I'm like, why in the world are you sending them? Why, why are you sending Come on, everything was going fine. I got the dream. I got the direction. I got the vision. I got the purpose. Everything seems like it's going to be in place. And next thing you know, out of nowhere, a storm comes. Could it be? God allows a storm. You can trust God in a storm, folks. Storm comes. Jonah says, hey, this is it. My life is over. Just throw me overboard. Let me just get it over with. Some of you in that place, let me get it over with. And you seem like you're sinking down into the depths of the sea. And next thing you know, God says, no, I'm not going to let you go out that easy. And God prepared a big, great fish. And that fish swallowed up Jonah. And now it seems like you're trapped. You can't go anywhere. Sometimes in lower places and situations. You feel like you're so trapped now. You're sinking the next thing you know. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. And Jonah began to pray inside of the belly of the fish. Seemed like he repented. We find out that repentance didn't last too long. God caused that fish to spit him out on the shore. So God prepared the fish. He prepared the storm just to get Jonah to the place that he had for him. And sometimes it takes that storm in our life. And sometimes it takes God to to cause us to feel swallowed up and trapped and everything else. And next thing you know, God is going to push us out onto the shore of his will and his purpose. You see, God is connected to dots. Sister Michelle, we can't understand everything. Why did this happen? Let me tell you something. God is in control and God is connecting the dots. No man has any power over the plan and the purpose of God. And God will use anything and everything to get us to his place and his will. This is not the second. Oh, how can I say this? Oh, this is not the rebound church. 
God had it all along. I'm going to bring you to this place and I'm going to prepare something for you. Some of you can, some of you didn't think you were going to be here. Why am I here in this church? Some of you coming back again. Why am I back here? Let me tell you something. Because this is God's plan. God is connected to dots. He's drawing the line. You better thank God he's in control. Y'all got a few minutes? Just give me a few minutes. Just give me a few minutes. God is in control. God is in control. Oh, I feel a stand up right here. Let me get a couple of you brothers to pray right now. I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly right here. Come on. In the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, come on. We're not done yet, but God is ministering right here. In the name of Jesus Christ. I need a sister to put their hand right there. In the name of Jesus, come on. Shando roho tala la la bahasa tabahaya. Shando roho. I know you already know this, but come on. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, the hand of God is right here. On this couple's life, brought them here for a purpose. I'm telling you, God is in control. Allow him to connect the dots. Stop complaining. Stop grumbling. I'm telling you what, God. He's the master of your life. But God, why did this happen? I don't know, but God does. Why did I have to go through this? I don't know. But do you think God is not in control? Do you think God is not in control? There's no man or woman that can control the hand of God in your life. There's no circumstance that God can't use for his purpose and his glory and his name's sake. Jesus' name, God prepared. Storm, fish. I don't know how long it took for God to make that fish, that great fish. Could have been years upon years. Preparing it just for a specific purpose. The Bible says that Jonah gets there. He does the Lord's will. God prepares a plant. God prepares a worm. And then God prepared a great wind. And all this time, you read the story of, of Jonah. And you, 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 and you look at that. It was really all about the things that God prepared. Along the way, neither when Jonah was frustrated and angry with God and could, couldn't figure things out, God was still preparing things. Just to show Jonah what his intent and his purpose was. Do your life feel like a big blob of nothingness? You, you know, the things that you go through is uh, it's unfathomable, it's unidentifiable. That there seems to be obscureness and 
obscurity and there's, there's, it, you can't make sense of it. Sometimes things come along, it seems like the most inopportune time. Just when you're on the mountaintop, it seems like you're falling down the cliff. But we can trust God. There are some of you who've been through some very tough situations, life circumstances. And we say, you know what, well, there's no rhyme. There's no reason. I'm just a victim of my circumstances. Can I tell you in the Holy Ghost, you're not a victim of circumstances. God has called us to be victorious. If God be for me, who can be against me? He said, we are more than conquerors. It is no wonder that most people come to God when they're going through something. That tells me that God allows things to transpire. A lot of times to get our attention. To bring us to him. And when people who are just, you know, they have it all together so it seems. But yet they're still empty. And God lets them consume or get and achieve and have all these things. But then he leaves them so empty that they realize I have all this stuff. But I'm still empty inside. I don't know where you are on your page of life. And I don't know how many dots you have still left up to this point. Because there are going to be more. But up to this point where you hadn't allowed God to draw a line to connect the pieces. You see, when I was a child and I had those little dot-to-dot things. And, you know, good thing they had the numbers. Because sometimes I would draw and, you know, and it still wouldn't make any sense. Because I wouldn't connect the dots the way they needed to be and in sequence and order. When God begins, that's why you have to allow God to connect the dots. Because he does it in order. And next thing you know, you see this pretty beautiful picture. Can I tell you, as much as your life seems to be a catastrophe in many situations and circumstances, when God draws the lines of your life, a beautiful picture takes shape. And you say, how can he get beauty out of ashes? The most horrific scene in man's history. Now, you could talk about all the other carnage of wars and things of that nature, but in man's history, the death of Jesus Christ. And that was the most beautiful thing in God's sight. 
I'm going to tell you something. Those things that God is allowing and using in your life to bring you to a place where he can get glory and that he can fulfill his purpose. There's no way in the world Joseph could put the pieces together and realize his brother stripping his coat, throwing him into a pit, selling him into slavery, walking in chains for miles and miles and miles down to Egypt, ended up in part of his house as a slave and serving him, ended up being accused of rape, thrown in prison, being forgotten about. But do you know all those dots led Joseph to the fulfillment of God's plan? And while you think your life is going south, God has taken all those things and he says, see, Joseph, it's just about to happen. Everything I promised is just about to happen. Because when things start getting dark, and so dark you can't see your way, I think at that point, Joseph probably was near the end. And just as Joseph was about to be near the end and just give up, I can see his head sink down saying, they've forgotten about me. And at that moment, God picked him up. He heard the prison door open. He's down in the deep part of the prison. He hears somebody come. He sees the light. They say, come on, you're going to have to get yourself ready. For what? You have an appointment with the king. There was no signal. It just happened just like that. I call a sudden impact. And suddenly, God acts just like that. He bears long. And then suddenly. Can I tell you, some of you, you got a suddenly just about to come. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. I know you feel like you're at the, the end point. Let me tell you, God is connecting the dots in your life. Won't you stand, please? I don't know where you are in your landscape, in your page. But if the Holy Ghost is talking to you today, I want you to come. I want you to fill this altar. And I want you to fill this altar in faith and say, God, I'm trusting you. And I don't see and understand, God, all these pieces and these dots and these situations. And I, God, I, it seems like I'm at the end. I'm at the end of the rope. I don't, I don't know what to do. Come on. Somebody need to get hope again. Bring hope alive. I'm here to tell you, give you a word of encouragement. God is connecting the dots. Come on, somebody. In the name of Jesus Christ, I believe God is talking to more. Won't you come? Come on, that's it, all over. Won't you just lift your hands up to him, somebody begin to pray to him in faith. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my confidence in you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. 
Come on, hallelujah. You're not here praying for yourself. Why don't you find somebody to pray with? Come on, there's hope in him. There's reassurance in him. God is doing some fabulous things, some awesome things. Amen. God is working in our lives. He's working in our family members' lives, our loved ones' lives. Come on, why don't we let him work? Do a great work. It feels like chaos, but somehow there's peace. It's hard to surrender to what I can see. But I'm giving into something heavenly. Whatever you're doing inside.
Jesus.